this is another just life after suicide because in moments where you are so excited, where naturally people are so excited for these like big milestone moments, mm. there is such excitement that comes with them. And then it's right next to it is accompanied with like mega hurt and sadness because I'm so excited I'm engaged. And then the reality clicks in like, my mom's not gonna be there to pick up my wedding dress with me, you know, like. Welcome <laughs> back to the Park Car Conversation. It is March, this is international Women's History Month. Yes, and is. so today we are telling your story. We are telling her story. How did you say it? You had a nice ring to it. Her story. Her story. Right? Her story. It's, it's her story. Yeah, it's her like history, history. But her story. Her story. This conversation is one that I have danced around. I'll be honest. I have been nervous. I was even nervous to ask you. I was going to just call you out on that. <laughs> 1000 percent because I caught the nervousness. <laughs> I was so nervous. And I spoke to a few people about even, you know, addressing you before. And I was like, I don't know how she might take it if it's just, you know, too sensitive of a topic. And for this reason, this is what the Parker conversation is for. It's to tackle these kind of conversations that are not common. They're a little bit taboo. They're a little bit uncomfortable. And so to say the least, I am so thankful that you are here to share the platform with us. It's not even just for me, because I know whatever you're going to tell me is going to be reaching them out there. Today, we are going to be speaking about understanding suicide through a loved one. So this is a mother. She is a wife. She is a cousin. She is a niece. She is a friend. And to me, she is my sister-in-law. Hey, Shout out right to my brother, JBTV, <laughs> for marrying this beautiful woman Thank and you, who has also given me my firstborn nephew. Shout out to Cairo. Shout out to my baby nephew. And to nephew. you, hubby, and to you too. <laughs> and so, Amelia, if you yeah. can, please tell them a little bit about yourself. Will do. Okay. What's going on, everyone? My name is Emilia, a.k.a. One in a Million. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am... A free spirit, to say the least. I definitely marched to the beat of my own drum. Yep. Something that uh, I'm going to take a little story here. Walk down memory lane. Mm -hmm. uh, growing up, my parents actually, every time we'd be out, I have an older sister. Her name is Jacqueline. Shout, Shout out to Jacqueline. You. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anytime my parents would have to introduce us to someone, they would say, oh, this is our oldest daughter, Jacqueline. You know, she's uh, studying to be a dentist. This is our youngest daughter, Emilia. She's a free spirit. Mm -hmm. So, yes, <laughs> something so. my mom was always so proud about. You know, oftentimes you hear about parents encouraging their, their young ones to say, OK, you know what? You should go to school for this and be this and do this and do whatever. And I think my parents just saw that this is who I am. And I've always just had that drive and that want to just go after whatever it is that was exciting me. So yes, I'm a free spirit. I am a mother, as you mentioned, to a beautiful son named Cairo, um, a wife to my wonderful husband, Jesse, AKA your brother. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big creative. So massive. Look out for her stuff. We're going to make sure you got to go check out her profile. She got she got work. It's currently under construction, but once it's up, I'll let her know. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, big sneakerhead or ex sneakerhead, I should say. Ball has been a part of my life since I was a young child. Um, shout out to the Raptors. I work for that or worked, I should say, pre-COVID. <coughs> um, <laughs> and I'm a flight attendant as well. So yeah, just all around random individual. But uh, here I am. This wonderful woman walking around, passing us by every single day. You might have seen her at your store. She's like just just like one of us. And I think the most beautiful thing is that you have such a powerful story. And so if you can also, I want you to introduce the woman who gave you life. Tell us about 
how your mother was like. If so, for someone who's never met your mom, tell us what she was like. It would be my honor. And actually, mm-hmm. I just want to say, too, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Mm-hmm. I know it was a nervous topic for you. And mm-hmm. I know that, like, even on the phone a couple of weeks ago, she was talking to myself and my husband. And uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, Millie, I have to talk to you. But then you didn't want to say you didn't say I'm I like, knew. yeah, what's up? And she kind of like, yeah, 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 I'll call you. I'll call you. I'm like, why is she so nervous? And then I clued in. But yes, mm-hmm. thank you. It's a real honor to be here. And I know that uh, my mom would want nothing more. So it's an honor. So speaking of my mom. Her name is Lucia Figueredo. Um, what can I say about her? I know everyone talks about their parents, or you may be receiving this, these words and thinking like, oh, she's just talking about, about her mom. Everyone says nice things about their parents. Mm-hmm. But uh, really and truly, even if she wasn't my mom, I would put this woman on the largest pedestal ever. Mm-hmm. She is like, she's one of those people, mm-hmm. you know, when you would walk into a room you've with a crowd of random strangers and uh, someone can walk into a room and just their presence and their energy and their spirit introduces themselves before a word even comes out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. That was my mom. She had this way of just making everyone feel so warm, so at peace. Like she was so fun out of all the aunts. She had um, two brothers Mm -hmm. and three sisters. So Mm -hmm. she's the fourth, the youngest sister. And uh, out of all the cousins, we have a huge family. All the cousins would Portuguese thing. Portuguese thing. (laughs) All of our cousins were all around my age. Um, would name all the aunts like you know the oldest one is the wise one whatever but my mom was always the fun aunt you know like mm-hmm. she was just so cool that's the best title to have yeah she, and she was mm-hmm. so relatable like I don't know what you see is what you get she always did everything for everyone else first if that makes sense like yeah and it speaks volumes to what happened actually because you would have never in a million years thought I never thought that I'd be on this end of the camera mm-hmm. speaking about this Cause she's not here. Right. Like mm-hmm. Whew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't even started, <laughs> but she was, I told a- you I'm gonna cry with you. No, for yeah, real. she was, um, a me- amazing woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. So as you guys know, by the title we've introduced it already, this topic is going to be understanding suicide through a loved one. So in this case, we're speaking to her daughter. And I, the reason why I really wanted to speak about this is because even in my own experience, I have had ignorant moments. And I know, I now know that they're ignorant because I've had moments, you know, saying like, ah, if someone commits suicide or, you know, the, even that term, now even learning further, like those are terminologies that you don't use. Right. right? But these things are selfish. And it's like, how selfish of me to think that someone who is going through a struggle, literally going through an illness mm-hmm. is just being selfish. Like how selfish of uh, am I to have right. gone through those things? And so if you will, I know this is something that selfishly someone like me always wants to know. And it's something really hard. You don't often ask somebody who's experienced this, hey, what happened? What happened on that day? But as much as you can, can you describe, if you feel comfortable describing what happened that day? How did that, how did you feel? What was, you know, the thoughts going through your head? Yeah, uh, it's crazy because I'm going to backtrack, actually. Let me just like yeah. say a little bit more about like my mom. Um <laughs> And it's funny that I even feel the need to say this, but this just speaks volumes to the stigma surrounding mental health. Um, It always gets uncomfortable, not for me, but I feel like people receiving Mm -hmm. the news. Um, So anyhow, my mom loved life. I have vivid memories Um, back in high school. um, A friend of ours, an acquaintance, 
took his life. And I remember we used to have family dinners all the time. So mm-hmm. my dad, my mom, my sister and I, we'd sit around and for hours and just talk, talk about life, talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that day that that happened when we found out, I vividly remember both my parents just, you know, sitting us down and just talking, like talking through it. And my mom specifically saying to us, girls, you know what? No matter how hard life is, no matter what life throws mm-hmm. you, just know that there will always be a better day ahead. It may feel like it's so far away, but know that like, that's not the answer. Like know that you will get over it. You will come through and rise above it. And the irony of it all is that I'm here telling you about my mom's story because that is what happened to her. Mm -hmm. She lost her battle with that. So anyhow, it started probably, I want to say my mom passed on February 5th, 2014. Hmm. In May of 2013, um, she started kind of feeling like a little bit off um, and more so thought it was just like pre-hormonal, mm-hmm. pre-menopause, sorry, mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So little things here and there. Um, so it was about a nine, it was about a nine month battle of uh, onset mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't quite pinpoint it. It went undiagnosed, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And that, again, speaks volumes to um, to the illness itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyone that knew her saw her still as Lucia. Mm-hmm. You know, like people would come by. Mm-hmm. She's all smiles, whatever. Like no one would really think anything of it. I think it was more so in the last couple months mm-hmm. where it was almost like out of her control. You could see that it was just like, sometimes it would be like, I'm not even speaking to her. Like, I'm wow. like you know, it was, mm-hmm. um, anyhow, it was, it's so hard to see somebody go through something like that. Um, when they physically look like them and when they sound like them. Um, and that's the craziest part about mental illness mm-hmm. because unlike a terminal illness, mm-hmm. cancers, whatever you name it, it attacks your body. It attacks your physical. So you oftentimes hear, you know, someone is laying on their deathbed and they're unable to speak. They're withered. They are, they are, um, yeah, unable to speak, but you know that they are there because they'll show you a sign. Like Mm -hmm. you could be speaking to them and they may like wiggle their finger if you ask Mm -hmm. them or whatever, but they're just unable to speak. Whereas a mental illness is a chemical imbalance. A mental Mm -hmm. illness attacks your brain. Mm -hmm. It attacks what's happening on the inside So exterior wise, you're seeing that person, you're Mm -hmm. hearing that person. Mm -hmm. So when you're like, why are you acting like that? Like people don't get it. Right. Because it's so hard to get Mm -hmm. because you don't, you don't see it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyhow, my, myself, my dad and my sister, of course, uh, we saw it, we felt it and she would speak to it as best as she could. Um, she herself would, it's so hard to say. I, it, she herself almost couldn't explain it, but she knew that something was off, you know, like mm-hmm. she knew something wasn't, wasn't right. Christmas time, uh, we had uh, our get together, our family get together. And I think at that point, um, I don't know if like my family me- members or relatives saw little glimpses of things. Like mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things happening in our life. We had just recently um, lost my grandfather, mm-hmm. which was her dad. And that took a heavy toll on her. Um, a lot of things happening within our family. My my brother-in-law's brother was murdered. Mm-hmm. And then my nephew was born. It was just a whole lot of up and downness. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those times, uh, 
there was little glimpse, like glimpses mm-hmm. of her not being herself. Hmm. Whereas I don't know if when the family would see it, like outside family would see it, if they thought maybe she's just having an off day or whatever. Um, although for the three of us who were seeing it daily every day. or speaking to her every day, mm-hmm. um, realized the magnitude of it. Mm-hmm. Did we ever think it was, it would get to where it got? Never in a million years. Um, I would spend like... I would always talk to my mom. My sister always talked. We always talked to each other. And I would mm-hmm. sit sometimes um, at, at work and I would go into a boardroom. And every morning around 8 o'clock, I'd call her and say, like, hey, mom, how are you doing today? Like, are you having a good day today? Mm-hmm. You know, like, not, like, just to, like, try to uplift her. And, you mm-hmm. know, she'd be very, like, open and honest. She'd say, oh, honey, today's a great day, you know. Someday she'd be like, oh, honey, you know, I'm feeling a little bit like this. She would try to best communicate how what she was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um Anyhow, uh, fast forward then to January 31st and I'm a flight attendant. I think I mentioned that already, but, Mm -hmm. um, one of the perks is you get to pick up and travel wherever you want, whatever you want for a very, very great price. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So oftentimes if I'd be working my multiple jobs, um, if I had a little spare time, if I was feeling just like I needed to get away, I would go to like Florida or wherever for the weekend. And, uh, at this point in January, there were really, really hard days. Like the month of January, I remember my dad sometimes calling and just like not knowing what to do, you know, like, really. uh, and, um, so January 31st, I remember I came home from work and I, I called my parents like I normally would. Mm-hmm. And my mom answered and we spoke. She was just her bubbly, beautiful spirit, her, the mom I know. And she was like, Hey honey, whatever. We had a great conversation. And I mentioned to her, you know what, mom, like, I've been feeling like pretty overwhelmed, not overwhelmed, but just tired. I'm drained. I think I'm going to go to Florida for the weekend. And she was, she was like, Oh honey, that's so amazing. Whatever. And in conversations, I would sometimes look for like slight things to show me whether or not she was having a good day. Mm. And this day I'm like, Oh, she's great. Like everything is good. Anyhow, we had our conversation towards the end of the conversation. She said to me, um, I, I felt like this weird feeling. I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. I tried my best to do it, but I felt this something in my core. And I said to her, I'm like, mom, are you okay? Like, are you having a good day? She, Mommy, I'm great. I'm doing great. It's like, oh, okay. So whatever. I said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'll call you when I get back. Cause usually when I was down South, I would keep my phone off or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd let them know I arrived by a text and then I would call them once I land. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, okay, she said, okay, honey, have a great time. Have so much fun. You know, I love you. Yeah, I love you too, mommy. Okay. Like I'll talk, I'll call you when I get back. And right before I got off the phone, my mom says, oh, honey, Milia, honey. I said, yes. She says, you know, I love you so very much. And I'm like, ah, mommy, I love you too. Like we just do these things all the time. Mm-hmm. But those were the last words I ever heard out of my mom's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I got to speak to her. And it's crazy because, like, in that moment, I hung up the phone. Sorry. No. And I'm... I'm crying with you. Okay, I'm crying with you. This is, like... You know how you... They say your spirits are connected to people, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, my spirit in that moment knew something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. I, again, never thought that ever... But something was weird. I remember right away hanging up the phone and calling my sister. Mm. I'm like, hey, Mana. Sorry, I call her Mana. Portuguese slang. <laughs> hey, Mana, um, did you talk to mom today? She was like, yeah, why? I said, did she, was she having a good day? Did she sound good? Like, yeah, yeah, she sounded fine. Why? I was like, I don't know. Why did she sound off? I'm like, no, no, no. She actually sounded great. But I don't know. I just, I have this like, something doesn't feel right. 
she's like, Millie, what are you talking about? And I explained, I told her I was going to go to Florida and I don't know. I almost feel like I feel guilty for telling her that. Like maybe she feels sad that like, she's not coming. Like maybe I should tell her to come. And she's like, Millie, what are you talking about? She loves that you're a flight attendant. Like she's so happy that you can just get up and do these things. So like, why are you thinking like that? I'm like, I don't know. So I kind of just like dismissed it. Right. Mm -hmm. What about my time? I left the Sunday. I, uh, uh, my sister had actually called my phone. So I did message her back and I was like hey just a check in like how's mom like have you spoken to her mm. how's dad whatever and she told me that Sunday my mom had a really rough day at church like she had a moment like an episode and um I was like okay so of course I'm like a little bit worried about it thinking about it and I'm like okay she's like don't worry Milia she'll be fine I was set to come back on February the 4th in the morning I fly standby don't get on my flight, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I end up getting the red eye home because I had to be home on the fifth for this really important business meeting. And this is just to give you perspective for anyone watching this. Sometimes we think that the things in our life are so important. We think our work is so important. We think like getting that paper done and whatever, like I'm not saying those things are not important, but when something, when you really, really scale back and you take everything away, and I think we can all relate to this now, especially mm -hmm. with this pandemic, we've been stripped of our <laughs> freedom, essentially. You start to realize, and it's a wake-up call to tell you what is important. Very true. And so that morning, I ended up getting on a last minute or so that night, a red-eye home. I landed at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And typically, like I said, I would call my parents to let them know I'm home. Mind you, my mom had not been sleeping for months. Like if she would sleep maybe two hours a night, that was like a mm. great sleep. And all I was thinking in my head is I'm not going to call her now because I don't want to call them. And what if she's actually sleeping? Like I don't want to disrupt her. I'll call her when I'm on my way to work. Mm. So went home, slept quickly, woke up, huge snowstorm. I'm carpooling to work with two of my guy friends. And uh, February 5th happens to be my brother-in-law's birthday as well. Hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call Dal first, wish him a happy birthday. Once I get to work at lunch, I'm going to call her, check in, get to work, do our meeting, huge snowstorm. They say, you know what? We're canceling the lunch. We're going to work through lunch and we're going to dismiss everyone early so that you can get home. It's, the roads are bad. All right. I'm like, no problem. I'll call her when I get home. This is so random, by the way, because like I said, I always am communicating with my, with my mom and mm -hmm. my dad always. Mm -hmm. So something was stopping me from doing so on the ride home uh I know exactly where it was on the highway we're coming around the DVP onto Gardner and um, my buddy's showing me this thing on the phone a Steve Hardy Harvey clip and he hands it to me and it's nothing like sentimental or anything and like out of nowhere I start like crying and he's like, Millie, what's up? He's like, what's wrong with you? And they don't, I'm not really a crier, really. So they're like, what's going on? And uh, I was like, I don't know. I just feel like, whew, I'm just not feeling too good. And they're like, okay, whatever. So they drop me off. I walk in my house and it's uh, 5.08. <sighs> and, um, and I remember being like, okay, sorry, it was four. Yeah. Sorry, I'm backtracking. Mm -hmm. We walk in my house and I looked at the time and Justin was home. And um, he even looked at me and was like, Millie, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm feeling a bit off. And I was supposed to be doing a FaceTime workout with my girlfriend in Florida. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to just lay down for a bit. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just so I'm rested or whatever. Mind you, I have yet to call my parents, which is crazy. Like, why have I not picked up the phone? Mm -hmm. So I go upstairs. We used to live in a loft at the time. And I'm laying in my bed and Justin's like, you know what, I'm going to come up and I'll lay with you. So he's laying beside me and his phone's ringing downstairs. And uh, I was like, oh, do you need to go get that? He's like, no, 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 it's fine. They'll call back if it's important. Mm -hmm. 
Next thing you know, it rings again, nothing. Then my phone rings all of a sudden, unknown caller. So I pick up the phone and, uh, hi, is Justin there? I was like, who's calling my phone for Justin unknown? I'm like, this is weird. So I was like, hey, who is this? And then as she speaks more, I realize it's my cousin-in-law. And I'm like, oh my God, Steph, hey, like, what's going on? How are you? She's like, oh, I'm sorry, were you sleeping? I was like, no, I'm just not feeling too well. She's like, oh, is Justin there? My spirit was not allowing me to pass the phone to Justin. I was like, and I didn't think anything at the time. I just was thinking, oh. I got goosebumps. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking like, Justin teaches in the dance program in the school. She's in the school board. I know they were trying to connect, so that's all I'm thinking really. But something was making me keep her on the phone. And then at one point she just said to me, she's like, Millie, are you sitting down? She's like, yeah, why, what's up? She's like, oh. I'm like, is everything okay? She's like, no, there's been an accident. I'm like, oh my God, Leo. I'm thinking about my cousin, Leo. She's like, uh, it's not Leo. There was a car in TSL and she said my aunt. So as soon as she said my aunt and a car, for whatever reason, I gasped and I screamed. I was like, my mom, my mom, it's my mom what happened with my mom? Like, what's going on? What happened with my mom? She's like, oh, Amelia, it's okay. Um, she's okay. Uh, no, she didn't say she's okay. She's like, she's at the hospital. And at that point in the conversation, to be completely honest with you, I don't really remember everything. I just know that I was like, here. And I was like, Justin, Justin, here. And I passed the phone to Justin. I'm like, we got to go. We got to go. Like, I quickly got my stuff together. I'm like, we got to go. Keep in mind, it's a huge snowstorm. I'm like, we got to go. I don't remember him saying anything on the phone to her. I just know that I was downstairs in one minute. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he handed me my phone, I call my dad. I'm calling my dad. He's not picking up. I'm like, man, like, he's not picking up. I'm like, okay, I have to call my sister. I call my sister. She's like, Milia, oh my God, Medina just called me. My godmother just called me. Um, Mom, I'm like, yeah, like, what happened? She's like, I don't know. I think she's at the hospital. I'm like, don't worry, Mana. She's going to be fine. I'm going to go there right now. I'm going to go check on her. Everything's fine. And, uh, we got into the car and I know that my godmother called me and she was like, Oh honey, like she didn't really, again, I don't really remember the full conversation, but I know that she was telling me she's at the hospital, whatever. I said, what hospital, what hospital? And, um, said, don't worry, we're going to go there. And I almost wasn't letting, I was like not intentionally not letting people speak fully to me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. We're on their way. I'll call you after click, you know, like quick combos. Like I don't need to hear anything. So, uh, right before we got into Burlington and right before exiting um, Brant Street, I call my godmother again just to verify, is it Joseph Brant or is it Joe, like which one, Hamilton or Burlington? And at that point, oddly enough, she said to me in that moment, now thinking back, she said to me, she's like, oh, Amelia, honey, I can't lie to you anymore. She's like, she's gone. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, no worries. The shock of it, her telling me that, didn't process like it did not process so mm -hmm. thinking back I'm like why didn't I get why didn't I register it then you know so we get to the hospital and park in the ER at this point I don't know Justin I'm assuming knows but again he's just like don't worry baby trying to be really encouraging and um all I know is my cousin Leo Steph's husband was there because that's why I knew about it so I was like okay I'm trying to call Leo I'm ringing down his phone I'm ringing down my dad nobody's picking up and you know in the ER how the doors are like locked you can't go in unless they press the button to let you through so I'm uh, I'm sitting there I'm like I need to see my mom my mom is here I need to see my mom like so Justin's trying to like handle it and he's she's like okay if you can just take a seat so I'm sitting there shaking shaking like okay we're gonna see her I'm still trying to call my dad I'm still trying to call my um cousin finally um I, I don't remember if my cousin 
text me back or call me. But he says, I'm here. Oh, just one second. I said, okay. And then uh, Justin's really like working on these people at the door. And all of a sudden, um, the doors open. And I see two women, police officers, come towards me. And they said, Amelia? I said, yes. I said, oh, um, hi, we're from Victim Service Unit, whatever. We're going to take you. We're going to show you where to go. I said, okay. Again, still thinking they're taking me to go see my mom because my mom's fine. Like, what? So we walk down the hallway and we get to a door. And um, I remember it said family something on it. And I opened the door and it's the size of like a <laughs> little box. And I'll never have this memory taken out of my mind. My dad was on the left side of the room in mm -hmm. a chair. And my cousin Leo was on the right. And um, as soon as I opened the door, I could see they'd been crying. And um, my dad stood up. And the words that he said to me, mm -hmm. he just was like, honey, you don't have a mom anymore and I don't have a wife. And I was like, what? And in that moment, mm -hmm. my... Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it was forever changed me. Like mm -hmm. that moment forever changed my life. Mm -hmm. And that was... Yeah, that was the experience of that moment. Um, I mean, it's crazy, like, looking back. Like, I remember the coroner coming in. Like, there's certain things that I remember so vividly. I remember the smell of that room. Um, and then some of the things are just kind of like a blur. Um, I remember, like, being adamant when the, the coroner came in and saying, like, I really want to speak to my mom. I wasn't, like, hysteric. hysterics. It was more so just, like, I need to see my mom. She was like, uh, honey, are you sure you'd like to? You know, she's in her natural state, whatever, whatever. I was like, yeah, I just need to, like, have my time with her. She wow. Said, no problem. We'll have one of the police officers escort you in the room. I said, okay. So we walk into the hall, and I said to my dad, like, daddy, let's go. Like, we should go. And he looked at me, and he said, honey, I don't want to remember your mom this way. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I'm okay. So... We uh, continued yeah. on, and um, I went into the hallway again in front of a door. And shout out to that woman, that one police officer, because <laughs> in my mind, I remember thinking I don't want her to be in the room with me. And um, she didn't come in the room with me. I didn't say anything. She just let me go. And um, Jesse walked in with me, and I just turned around. I was like, if you can just give me a second. And I walked to my mom. It was just her, just her and the gurney. There was nothing else in the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had uncovered her face, obviously, in her one um, arm. And I held on her hand and Shafina, like looking at her in that moment was the first time in nine months where my mom looked so at peace. She looked like so at peace, you know? And so, um, yeah, that's basically what happened that day. Yeah, sorry. Um, the other lady had come in. And I want to speak to this point because it's something that bothers me to this day. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it surrounds mental health and mental illness. Is I remember her coming into my left of me and I'm holding my mom's hand. And she said to me, you know, I know she's trying to be a support system. And she's saying to me, like, honey, it's OK. You know, it's OK to cry. It's OK to like walking me through the emotions. And then at one point, I remember her looking at me and saying, and it's okay to feel angry. You're going to feel angry at her. Um, and that's okay. Cause what she did was selfish. Cause in that moment, you know, she wasn't thinking of herself. Jafina, when she said those words, I envisioned myself like <laughs> jumping this woman. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm like, what? I'm like, no, I'm not angry at her. I'm like, she wasn't being selfish. Like I got defense big time because as if, you should have, if someone doesn't, it's easy for someone on the outside looking in on an experience like that 
and maybe not fully truly understanding that and you can't penalize people for feeling that they were having that thought process mm-hmm. because again society has always made it that these conversations and this particular subject matter is shamed upon and is looked down upon and is there's such a stigma around it right. so people get uncomfortable that is something that is so important even listening to you tell the story and prior to filming we briefly spoke about it and the verbiage is so important how we speak about mental health is a big deal how we speak about suicide is a big deal and what you said to me yesterday on the phone stuck with me you said you know what when people say you know i you know it's it's uncomfortable for me when people say my mom commits suicide because she didn't commit to suicide she lost her life to suicide is that that's correct right yeah yeah she died by suicide like she yeah I don't like the verbiage of, I don't think that that should be something that's yeah. said, you know? No, and, and I, I completely understand now if like we're sitting at it in depth, right? We're looking at it in like an in-depth perspective. This woman who said it was selfish. Again, I have been that person. I was like, ah, oh, that's so selfish. So you think about the pain and the people that are left behind. But can you imagine what someone going through an illness such as mental health is going through? To, to, to for me to be like, I, that's selfish. Mm-hmm. How selfish is it for someone to say that? Mm-hmm. It's like when someone um, has cancer. And it's funny enough because there's uh, someone in my area that I know from my childhood who lost her husband to suicide. And one day she, you know, she brought it up. Uh, she was walking around the area and she's like, did you know that, uh, you know, my husband passed away? And I said, no, I had no idea, but I'm so sorry. She's like, you know what? Don't be sorry about that. She said, because there's a stigma on it. Just the way people talk about cancer, they talk about heart disease, they talk about diabetes. I want people to speak about suicide and mental health in the same way. She's like, because he was battling, he battled that for a long time, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of people shy away from that. If you don't understand it, it's easy to say all these things. It's easy to think you understand what it's going through. And then here I have my sister-in-law sitting here talking to me and like my heart is like, like sunken, like hearing you. And it's like, my brain can't even fathom. It's like, how small am I of a person to make these comments about something that is so big, that's so beyond me, if you don't understand it, right? And so um, thank you for sharing that with me, with us. Thank, and thank, no, no, thank, thank you. Like, I know if my mom was still here today, mm-hmm. if she was on the other end where she had survived, I know my mom would be here and I would be watching her from behind the camera because this is something that needs to be spoken about a lot more. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that we've had the opportunity yeah. to sit and open up. Yeah. And so what are, what are some things along the way that have comforted you? Um, <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the main things. It doesn't have to be all of them. What are some like main things that guide you through every single day? Like, what are some things that you can feel comfort in knowing? The gifts that I know she's had a big role in playing. Mm-hmm. Um, my son Cairo being one of them. Mm-hmm. That story alone is crazy. She had her hand in that. <laughs> crazy. And I'm going to try to say the story as quickly as possible because I also talk a lot if you haven't already noticed. <laughs> so it's powerful. No, thank you, sis. It's powerful. Um, my son, okay, backtrack. My mom and I shared a uh, common love for the number four. So much so that it's tattooed on my on my shoulder. It says four, the Roman numeral four, and then my, which is mom in Portuguese. So way back when, 
I'm grade six. I make the first basketball. I'm the only grade six that made the basketball team. So I'm playing with my sister who's in grade eight. I know. Big deal. I come home. I'm like, mom, dad, I made the team. <laughs> so excited. Actually, Jacqueline was hyping me up. Let's be honest. She was so excited. And then my basketball jersey, mm-hmm. the first number I got was the number four. I was so excited. And my mom shared with me that she actually used to wear the number four as well when she played ball. So I'm like, oh, no way. So from that day on, it was always our thing. Um, fast forward now. Since her passing, especially the amount of times that the four appears to me or comes to me, whether it's four, 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 whatever, is crazy. So back in twenty, sorry, two thousand eighteen, um, January, Justin proposes to me. Mm-hmm. Where I'm ecstatic, best ever. Like we're riding this wave, having a few glasses of wine throughout the week, <laughs> and then a week and goes then. by. <laughs> And then I finally click in. He actually says to me, Miller, aren't you late? I was like, dun, dun, dun. I'm like, late? I was like, oh, my God. I think I am. He's like, we should do a test. I was like, okay. In that moment when he said that, my heart sinks. Sinks because, again, this is another just life after suicide. Because in moments where you are so excited, where naturally people are so excited for these like big milestone moments, mm. there is such excitement that comes with them. And then it's right next to it is accompanied with like mega hurt and sadness because I'm so excited I'm engaged. And then the reality clicks in like my mom's not going to be there to pick up my wedding dress with me, you know, like. So anyhow, he tells me, you know, we should take a test. I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay, so I get this like gut wrenching feeling, like, oh, we could be pregnant. I'm like, am I ready to be pregnant? I can't be. How can I be a mom when I don't even have my own mom here to help me? Mm. But again, I'm like, okay, so we're riding the wave. Um, we get a test. I pee on the stick, <laughs> like you normally <laughs> do, and uh, I'm sitting on the couch. And Justin, I'm like, I can't even go look at it. I'm like, you go, Justin, you go. So he goes into the room, comes back out. I'm. I said to him, okay. Are we getting married this year or not? I, oh, I remember the video. You posted. Yeah, you oh my it. god! Yeah. And then he looks at me and he says, "Looks like we're not getting married." And I'm like, "Ha ha 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 ha!" We always joke around. I'm like, not taking him serious. Like, no, it looks like we're not getting married. And he goes like this and shows me the test. We're pregnant. Later on, he says to me, "Wow, Milia, how crazy is this? We're finding out on February 5th, the four-year anniversary of when your mom passed." And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. On a day where I'm sad, mostly sad. I try not to be, but that day is always a very hard day. God and my mom give us a little gift of happiness. She had her hand in that. She had her hand on my nephew. Furthermore, we go for our first ultrasound. The technician's like, okay, checking everything out, whatever. And they give you like an expected due date, as you know. Mm -hmm. She says to me, Oh, it's going to be October. And she looks, she's like, October the 4th. I said, of course it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be the 4th? Right. And then Justin then says to me, whoa, you know what's crazy? This is this would be like your mom and dad's fourth grandchild. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that is wild. And when you look up online, the number 444, mm-hmm. when you see it in sequence, the message says, says that it's an angel number to letting you know that your angels are always watching over you and always protecting you and guiding Amen. you through your way. Amen to that. And that, my dear, is was is one of the many things that um, bring peace to me and like make me feel happy and bring me comfort to yeah. know that although she's not here physically, selfishly, would I want her to be here tomorrow? Of course I would, you know, but, um, it's those things that really keep me grounded and, uh, gentle reminders to this day. It's been seven years and one month today, actually, um, today. that 
there's never been a time where I've, I've gone through, listen, I have gone through happiness. I have gone through sadness. I have gone through anxiety. I've gone through depression. I've gone through some hard thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, but the one thing that that has taught me is that feelings, whether they be good or bad are normal. Mm -hmm. What is not normal is the expectation that we're not supposed to be able to feel these things hmm. and that society deems if it's not happy, then it's, it's not right. You know? So that to me is, um, is a big reminder that I always tell myself, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Y'all heard that? <laughs> it's okay. It is okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. And this for anyone watching this, whether you have been directly affected by mental health, mental illness, um, suicide, whether you yourself are battling with it. I mean, mm, Javina, mm -hmm. how many times, I'm going to ask you something. Mm -hmm. How many times can you honestly say when someone's asked you, hey, how are you doing today? And you say, good. But really deep down, mm -hmm. you're having like the shittiest day ever. Mm -hmm. Or like you're feeling whatever it is mm -hmm. you're feeling like. Have you ever had a moment where someone has asked you, hey, are you good? Mm -hmm. Or hey, what's up? Everything's good? Mm -hmm. You're like, yeah, I'm good. Tons. Right? Tons, tons. Mm -hmm. Because society tells us that like, people want us to be happy. So like, right. I'm going to show people I'm happy. I may be crying inside, but you know what? Like, right. I'm not going to put you on that. Like I'm good, right. you know? Um, and that just speaks volume. Like how many people I'm sure out here watching this, whether you've been clinically diagnosed or not from a mental illness, how many of you guys, when someone asks you if you're okay, do you refrain from saying I'm clinically depressed? I have, I'm clinically bipolar. Um, People don't want to talk about it. They never want to talk about a it. A lot of times people withhold those feelings of saying that because they are in fear or that stigma that will hang over they're them. They're ashamed. Right. That's what it is. I, th I feel like that's a, it's, they're ashamed of being like, I am, it's like you have cancer. You tell someone I'm cancer because you are sick. If you are depressed, you also have to speak on it as if, not even as if it is mm -hmm. exactly the same. Mm -hmm. You're right. People mm -hmm. are ashamed of to do that. And I, and it, and it's, and it's hard. Like, and, and for people who are, cause everyone has their own story. And for people who are feeling mental illness and going through it, the pain that I feel, and I can speak, f I've never been clinically diagnosed. I can say after reading up a lot of things, I suffer from PTSD big time from what happened with my mom. I go through major bouts of anxiety, major bouts of depression, and I am a social butterfly. Mm. And I find there's times where I just disconnect from the world. Like I don't want to talk to anyone. And that's just part of the process. And I don't feel ashamed to say that. Like, mm -hmm. I think that like, if this is going to be an outlet for anyone watching this to say like, it's okay. If you are feeling like that, if you have been clinically diagnosed by something, knowing that by telling someone it could actually help, yes. um, the person understand you better, Yeah. but you feel like you can't because of society. It's okay. It's okay. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Don't feel that pressure. Know that you are cared about, know that you are loved and know that you will make this, make it through this. And that is the biggest thing. We have to just be more kind with ourselves, more compassionate with ourselves. And, uh, we really need to replace the stigma mm -hmm. with a whole heap load more of empathy mm -hmm. to really join everyone together. And it's, it's so like complex. Like I in no way, shape or form or like a psychiatrist or nothing. Mm -hmm. I can only speak from my personal experience, right? So there may be people watching this who maybe don't feel aligned with what I'm saying. But uh, the one thing that I can say is just like seeing my mom, for example, I'm going to use her. It's the only thing I know. 
oftentimes the narrative when someone hears that someone is suffering from a mental illness is like, well, you just need to ask for help. You need to just, it's okay. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Like that seems to be like the big underlying thing that is said so often. And for someone who's going through mental illness, Mm -hmm. for someone who's suffering again, like most times they're not even in control of their thoughts. It's a chemical Mm -hmm. imbalance. So they're not saying like, you know what? I'm going to wake up this morning and I just feel like being off. You know what I mean? Like you have no control over that. Like you, so that then puts more pressure on that person. Mm -hmm. And then it also sometimes closes them off and feels like, Oh no, I, I can't say this, you know? So there's like levels, levels to it. Um, I saw online one time the, an acronym. It was like ACE. It was ask, care, and, oh, geez, I should know the E, um, extend or something. Anyways, it was a thing to help people through suicides. And the one thing that I can say is I would put the C before the A. I would put the care hmm. before the ask. Because when you ask someone, again, you ask someone who's not feeling like themselves or maybe has no control over their thoughts and their feelings. Hey, how are you doing? nine times out of 10, someone's going to tell you they're fine. Mm -hmm. Right. They're going to show you because a, they don't want to burden you B they're just unaware of the magnitude of what's happening within them or C it's just, they're ashamed Mm -hmm. or there's a stigma. They don't know what they're going to be told. Mm -hmm. If we start to implement more care through our actions, through our words with the people who we love for the people we don't even know on the streets, Mm -hmm. practice empathy, practice kindness to strangers, even Because when someone feels cared about, their whole world changes. My dad shared with me that my mom on some of her days where she wouldn't be as rough, he would say, he's like, she would express to him how grateful she was for my sister and I. Mm. And she would oftentimes say, you know, like, no matter what's happening, I'm so grateful. Because Milia, for example, she'll call me every day in the morning from work and she'll sit there in her office and just like talk to me. And she just asks me, she knows she just talks about the most random things, but like she always makes me feel like she cares, you know, like she always makes me feel like everything's good. And I'm not asking her, like I may have said, hey, mom, how's your day going? But I'm trying to like distract her mind from Mm -hmm. what her feelings are. So it's like showing someone that you care. It could be just like... Uh, anything anything you can just being invested in them being invested like anything at all it doesn't have to be words just show actions and uh that can change someone's whole narrative so yeah (laughs) now being a mom Mm -hmm. right yourself um i i'm just thinking this is probably something that's hard to navigate for a lot of people who do experience loss you know by suicide do you plan on telling your son And if you are planning on telling him, are there like challenges towards that? Do you have like an age? Have you ever thought about when or how you would tell him? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, Absolutely to answer it. Yes, 100%. Cairo needs to know. Cairo knows so much about his grandma, his Ava already. Um, And there's going to come a point in his life where he's going to know because I think it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know the age yet. Mm -hmm. I don't think doing it at a young, young age makes sense because at a young, young age, you sometimes, you can't grasp Mm -hmm. things, you know, the way they are. Um, My nephews, my one, my godson, he's going to be 12 and my sister and brother-in-law, that's something that they're having to face right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know what that's going to hold. Like, I don't know what that will entail, but I do know that... um, yeah, I would love for, I want him? him to know. Yeah, I want him to know 
everything. Yeah. It's part of life. Yeah. If my mom passed from cancer, he would know, I would even hesitate. Like he would already know. Hmm. Right. So why is it that like this, this isn't the same, yeah. you know? So that, I, I think that just even <clears throat> put into like perspective, everything, everything that we're talking about is that why shy away from these conversations? These are the conversations that we need to have. We need to talk about mental health. We need to talk about suicide. Um, it's not something taboo. It's not something for people to be ashamed of, to be hidden. These are like really conversations because there's people that are watching this that are going through the exact same thing. There's someone out there that is navigating through loss exactly how you are and might not see this on Instagram or on YouTube. We, we're, we're constantly consumed with like celebrity news. Yeah. This is like yeah. a real conversation. And so this is what I've always aspired the Parker conversation to entail. And so I'm just, again, thank you. Thank you. It's my honor. Honestly, it's my honor and pleasure to be here. I don't know that like, again, my story isn't your story, isn't your story, isn't anyone's story. Um, But I'm sure there's an aspect or a component of my story that perhaps you, anyone watching this can relate to. Um, very proud of you for the, and I know like you, you speak about it online and every time you speak about it my eyes are like this I read everything you said continue in the comments I go to the comments <laughs> and I'm reading in the comments also and so I'm just proud that you continue to speak for your mother you know I know she might not physically be here well but she's here she's here oh, oh she's, she's here. here she sent Pizza a sign she Pizza sent by. some signs today she is here she's she here definitely is here so if you if you could send some words up for moms do it if you have a last word for people anything that you definitely want to get off your chest for people to know go yeah, for it I mean first I'm just gonna say we you may not be suffering from mental illness but we all deal with mental health everybody mm. does in any way, shape or form. And until we can start to be more compassionate with ourselves and with one another, um, and until we we can drop that stigma, until we can just like really kick that out the door and start to uh, implement more empathy towards one another is when we're really gonna come together in love. Um, Mental illness doesn't need judgment. Mental illness needs love. Yes. So Word to me and everyone else. Yeah, Yeah. I needed that. Yeah. I'm going to start talking about mental health in a different way. Send a word up to moms. Yeah, this is going to mom. Mom, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Can't even get thank you out. (laughs) Special lady. We're the special woman. Mm -hmm. Because of the woman that you are. Mm -hmm. I am the woman that I am today. Definitely. And I am the mom I am today. Hell yeah. And every moment I look at Cairo... I give thanks to God and I give thanks to you for giving me the opportunity to be able to be a mom. You embodied that that role in your life, like, flawlessly. Hmm. That's a great compliment. Like, flawlessly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and experiencing motherhood now and, like, the, the difficult times. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it can be challenging. Um, and I never got that vibe from her ever. I never got that vibe from her. She always just had it together, you know, like, you know, of course she had moments where she was sensitive or whatever, but she just was like top notch. <laughs> and, um, mom, I know you can hear me, but I just want to say, thank you. You were missed. You are loved. I'm so sorry. There's nothing that we, that we couldn't do more of to keep you here. But I know that that was what was written. And I know yeah. that that was, God needed you more mm-hmm. in heaven than here on earth. So continue to t- shine your light um, and we'll continue to keep your beautiful legacy alive.
We're not done yet. No, we're done. We're done. No, no, we're not done yet. I don't even know what else. No, we're not done yet. No, we are totally done. No, we're not done yet. Amelia. I can't like get the words out. I was trying so hard to like speak. It is Women's (laughs) International History Month. So for the month of March, like I said, it is International Women's History Month. So all month, the Parker Conversation has partnered up with Boss Woman Black Owned Brands. And today we have a gift from the Lux Beautypolitan. Okay. Okay. This is a care package for you. I have slightly uh, opened because I couldn't, I had to peek. I hope these products do well. Um, I love seeing Boss Woman. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the Lux Beautypolitan for sharing and partnering and also caring for our guests as much as we do. Thank you so much. Oh, this is cute. Yeah. (laughs) You have a lash style which is unapologetic. You have rhinestone adhesive eyeliner and you have a bath bomb so you about to be lit my girl you about to be lit 